Seven is a number, both prime and divine. Seven yeah. is a number, both prime and divine. Seven is a do. number, both prime All and divine. Seven is a number, Check both prime and divine. United like the Justice League, we unlimited. Five transformed into seven, magnificent amalgamation. Super Saiyan, we ain't playing. 106.5 is the radio station. Triple Nation is the name of the tribe. 610-267-215 All around the globe in every area code Online, on air, whatever the mode Days and nights, live or recorded Listeners rewarded with the rawness Keeping it flawless like a Batman plan Jedi flips or a Spider-Man handstand Peace to every geek we stand for From Kronos to the bottom city of Candor We about to catch wreck Turn up your set, black triples on deck. Y'all know what time it is. Black triples in your area. Let's go. You're looking live, ladies and gentlemen. You are looking live on Facebook in our Tribble Nation Facebook group. You're looking live on YouTube at on Black Tribbles, and you're hearing us live on WPPMLP 106.5 FM. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and kittens, children of all ages, welcome to another brand new edition of Black Tribbles. <laughs> Bong, bong. My name is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. And as always, I am joined in this lovely studio by these people right over there to my... Uh, next to me, you see where I'm pointing? That's right. <laughs> hey, hey, what's up, everybody? It's your Friday Night Delight, who you come to see every Thursday night. It's me, Dark Joker Zen, a.k.a. The Spectrum Tribble. Showing you all kinds of love and all spectrums of colors. Very nice, Dante. Very nice. Uh, I'm not going just... next. I was too sexy, so somebody else. Go. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, somebody appreciates Oof. my out here. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay, I'll go there. The Voice of Reason, a.k.a. the Super Triple. The Rand of Steel, the comic book Jedi, that dude that broke into your house, took all your stuff, and then sold it back to you because you didn't know what was going on. He said supply yeah. and demand. <laughs> I make sure you break to my house first. <laughs> Yo, what it do, y'all? It's the big body broke who the Super Saiyan triple up in here chilling on the Nimbus cloud. Much love to you all. And I am uh, Eagles MC Tribble, a.k.a. the Raleigh Llama, uh, dialing in from just outside Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, claiming still, I guess, officially the sixth Black Tribble. So before you and you, there was, yes, a white man. <laughs> hey, that's, hey, that's cool. I'm the sixth man of the year, so it's all good. I am Bill Walton. I am six <laughs> eight. A Grateful Dead fan, and uh, you helped the Celtics win the pennant. Fair. The Celtics did not win a pennant. They won a championship. Ah, championship. You know, let me. Whatever you want to call it. Okay. All right. Well, you're white. I'll give you a pennant. Was there a pennant? Right, anyway. We, we're here a pennant? Was there a poster? Something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It went on the wall. It said Celtics had a little Irish dude on it. There you go. <laughs> 
participation trophy. That's what it was. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we are here tonight to speak about all the cons that we are we loved before. That's right. We're going to be sharing with you some of our favorite tales and adventures from all the past comic book conventions that the Black Tribbles have gone to over the past 10 years, as well as taking a look at a, uh, trying to get an idea of what comic book convention life is going to look like post-pandemic. Um, it promises to be like a very eerie time there. And we want to take an, a, a look, take a stab at what we think it changes might be in store for all of us as the the uh, the country starts opening back up. Comic stores are open back up. The Hero Complex in Maniunk, uh, Amalgam Comics Coffee House in Kensington, they're they're opening back up, and it won't be long now before some comic book conventions um, start welcoming people through their doors. Some physically, some virtually. We're going to talk about it, and we'd love to hear from you. We've got the um, the comment line it is open in YouTube and in Facebook. Feel free to drop your comments, drop your questions, and we'll try to share as many of them uh, with all of us and with all of you watching at, that we can. Keith out there, Keith Gibbs down at North Kakalaki, the official six triple. Um, you remind me, Keith, because I was actually trying to remember Keith, who is a longtime fan of the Black Tribbles, but first and foremost is one of the lifelong fans and friends of Randy Arson, the voice of reason. Uh, if I remember correctly, the two of you came upon each other, you two rather tall individuals, I think they both look like Eternals, um, came upon each other at Penn State. Is that They're right? Like, like Eternals, that's high praise. That is high praise. <laughs> but yeah, Randy and I were both at Penn State. Uh, I think we actually probably crossed paths for the first time at a, at a little uh, club that used to do a 18 and overnight called Players. Players, baby. Yep. Yep where uh all the great hip-hop hits of 91 92 yeah. uh were spinning on the uh on the turntables there and i personally believe that i having gone through high school as you know uber nerd had reinvented myself as some sort of ladies man and believe that i could dance which was not true you may have seen the video for midnight oil you know beds are burning that that was kind of my only my, my only my only my only real move um and my running man really was uh terrible um but Your running man was just dangerous because he was just all, just in, all over just just just, just elbows elbows and legs going akimbo just you know all over the place like my you know you know, yoga fire, yoga flame. I mean, just everywhere, just just stretching out. Uh, and uh, Randy was one of the few fools who uh, would would laugh at me and joke. And so we became real tight, real quick. And uh, to the point that uh, we, uh, Randy was actually a groomsman in my wedding in twenty one some odd years ago, and we've been wow. tight ever since. Wow. Randy was there the in Myrtle Beach with me the night I got mm -hmm. engaged. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, it was a spring break '95. Yep. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. It was fantastic. Still, the only the I think I only I've only ever been back to South Carolina once since then. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm good. Oh, I'm good. But nah, man. This this dude. It, the funniest part about it is like we connected so quick and everything connected like the music connected i we were both comic like it was just it was instant and what 30 years later now yep. absolutely later? Yep. Yeah. randy was working a little bit of the uh comic swap shop in state college uh, that I used to get my pull at um, back then it was mostly you know early early 90s when I was collecting then it was obviously a lot of the uh, Marvel runs of X-Men you know, a lot the, of X-Men release of, of all those X titles uh, I had a roommate uh, Randy probably remembers a little, little dude named Taz who collected all the DC stuff I collected yeah, all yeah. the Marvel stuff and then we just go back to the dorm room and swap boxes and, and basically be able to read everything um, and anything I missed there I'd find at Randy's apartment and I would just yeah. go sleep over, read books until one of his roommates made me like start cleaning the kitchen or something. Said, you're basically living here, do some work. <laughs> so, I'm like, I just came to read the comics. So. It's funny that y'all mentioned that because in, in listening to you to relate how long you two have been friends and shout out to action figure expert watching us on YouTube. I see you, boy. How you doing? Um, it, it, uh, it reminded me that my best friend, who was a guy named Calvin, um, it's it's funny. Now, it actually, it, it, it tickles me now, the similarities that my friendship with him has with the two of you because we met because he worked with the, the dude that used to be my rap partner. And one day we were meeting at the studio and my partner Jay came and he brought Calvin with him, and I said, "Who's this dude?" He's like, "Ah, oh, this dude that works with me." He said he want to hang with us. I was like, "All right, whatever." And so he gets out of the way, you know what I mean? And um, and he was just there chilling with us, like, and he liked hip hop, but he wasn't into hip hop like like hardcore or anything like that. But when Jay was in the when the, in the booth working on his his piece, me and Calvin started busting it up over comics and realized that we both were comic book heads. And that was the start of our friendship. That's where we connected. And now he, this dude who I met through my partner is like, like my best friend in the entire world. Like right. I can call on Calvin 4.30 in the morning. And if he's in Alaska, he's going to he's gonna break his neck to get to me and vice versa. So it's just, it's funny that relationship. Oh, absolutely relationship that y'all, yeah, you know. That, that's I, I think, I'm thinking about those times when, when it was uh, no text messaging, no right. cell phones, when it was, uh, you know, basically, you know, those friendships got really solidified because you promised somebody you'd be there the next day on the court or at right. the shop or yeah. next Tuesday night. And you would go because you said you would. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, exactly. and so you, you never flaked, you know, you never backed out. If you didn't show up, like if Randy didn't show up to the, you know, the, play ball on the, those Pollock courts with uh, Brian one day, you know, I wouldn't pick up at our team. I'd go over to the apartment and make sure they're okay. You know, be like, are you all right? Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it was weird that, you know, that may be like 30 minutes <laughs> you know, to, mm -hmm. walk, to walk over there, stop it, you know, McClanahan's get something, pick something up. But it was definitely a different time, you know, building, building friendships, a lot, a lot more 
slow. I felt like, you know, Randy and I had time to sit on the corner and talk about comics back then. It, there was no distractions except, you know, women. Yes. The ultimate. Chilling, watching Joe. Dude. Most definitely. I think, Isaiah, I, I think Randy and I, just one quick thing. I think Randy and I figured out one night that one out of four girls' name at Penn State is Jennifer uh, because we would just sit there and a group of girls would walk by and we'd say, hey, Jennifer, and usually one out of one four of them would, one would, look up. Would, would look up and then we'd say, oh, I think I was in English 15 with you because everybody took English 15. <laughs> um, and, you know, long story short, I married Je- I married a Jennifer. So I was about to say, uh, the, the story know. has to end with you marrying a Jennifer. I, I absolutely did. did. I absolutely did. Because she oh. looked up and she walked by. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Um, Isaiah, I'm sure you can probably um, appreciate what we're talking about, too, because I know that I still marvel at the friendships that you have formed. You've got like a like a squad, you know, as yeah, everybody kind of does. And you're you're at that age where you usually are squad deep. But it, this, your squad runs thick, and they actually have been together for a little bit, haven't they? Oh yeah, for sure, man. Like my squad really is like a, a brotherhood of sorts. Like we, like my closest closest of friends I've known since first grade. And we're still, like, very close to one another. Still, like, uh, talk with each other just about every day in a bunch of group chats, just, you know, just talking all sorts of wreck. Uh, today, especially, like, you know, talking about, like, random, like, PlayStation stuff just dropped out, so geeking out about that. And it really is kind of that shared geekiness that we had that kind of keeps us all together when we're, like, we're far apart because, you know, everyone grows up. You start to change, like, a little bit. Everyone, you know, gets a significant other you know, just a lot of adulting stuff, but we still come together and, you know, chat as much as we can. And then whenever we can actually see each other in person, it's it's like catching up right uh, where we just left off. Like, you don't miss a beat. Everything's in sync. It's just, it just flows and it's perfect. And yeah, man, I've had maybe two friends I've known since first grade, one since fourth, and then... A couple other homies that I met in college and like I already know for a fact like when I finally do get married like yo these are gonna be the people who are gonna be my groomsmen like and that's that so like I'm just I'm happy that I can call them my brothers I'm happy that they still consider me you know one of their like best friends you know even now cool definitely got into a bunch of shenanigans in college like that whole Jennifer thing is something I can uh relate to uh, to the fact that, like, it wasn't Jennifer at my school. Like, when I went to college, it was a whole bunch of Sarahs that were in my class. It was like, <laughs> you know what? Just We're just going to walk down the hall and be like, yo, what's up, Sarah? It's like, oh, hey. It's like, I don't even remember your name. And, like, sometimes I had a college party. It's like, I'm going to shoot my shot right now. I pray your name is Sarah. If it's not Sarah, the second name was Jessica. So, like, if you're one of the two. You're one of the two. I'm just going to just shoot in the dark and... And, you know, nine times out of ten, it landed perfectly. It's, so, it's, gener- it's, it's generational because, like, when I used to, when I was working at the bar, it was Ashley. Mad yes. Ashley's in the bar, guys. Yes. Dante, yes. Dante, Dante was wondering because uh, I told him because uh, Len and I were talking. You know, Dante saying he's you know over there in Delaware. Uh, right. Where did you used to work there, Randy? Your Park Tavern. I, I know where that's at. Yeah. Yeah, right, right there on yep. Main Street in Newark. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you, Yo, you said Deer Park. I already knew. You brought up uh, the PlayStation stuff. Did y'all see that Miles John? Oh yeah. No. You know, the Miles Morales uh, PS5 Spider-Man trailer. 
Holy that group stole the show, in my opinion. Gross. They should have put that last. They they should have oh, put that. My goodness, oh. that thing was beautiful. It was just a it's a minute and a half long, and it is gorgeous, dog. It's next we're gonna get the PS5 just for that game, that game alone, because like the uh, Spider Man on PS4 was so good. It's true. It's, okay, it's yeah. true. Now you're actually continuing that story, but with Miles, say less, yeah. say less. Take my money. Yeah, I'm. I may have to. I may have to go in my pockets and get me a five just for that. I showed oh, my son. I showed my son the trailer. He was like, "Yo, what's up? They come out of ground Christmas time, right? Yeah." <laughs> He's like, "I mean, you know, I'm. Uh, what, what do I gotta do to get a PS5 pop? Like I a fusion generation party. one. I get your second generation one because we all know the first generation of video games is always terrible. Oh yeah." Not with PS PlayStation. I've I've had every time I've gotten a PlayStation on the first generation, it's been working perfectly more than like the second generation ones have. When Laser Pants oh. watching on YouTube says it looks dope, and now I gotta buy a PS Five. Yeah, that's you the do. Whole, that's the whole deal. Like they yeah. they put out these these dope looking games the, to sell the the new player the system. And you and know what? How much how much better is a PS Five really going to be than a PS Four? I'm not I'm not trying to be the old man in, in on the show right now, but I'm just asking. Let's be real. You okay, know what I mean? So, I, so, I don't know what else they're doing. Oh, with it. Well, I don't know what they're doing. Shout out to my man, my man Laser Pants, my co-host on the Affinity Equation on every Friday night. <laughs> Uh, PS4 is a great system. The graphics are awesome on it. Uh, but when you get to the PS5, you see how it's rendered, like the graphics are not rendered and it looks amazing. It looks, they're so close to almost making it look like if you're in real life at this point, like there's no doubt about it. When you look at Gran Turismo, that game looks freaking amazing. It looks like you're actually driving in the car. It, it's just they every time they come out with a new system, they beef it up more and more. They're getting close to where you can't tell the difference between that and a piece like if you're on a PC or a gaming or a gaming console. Okay, but my thing is though, and, and y'all correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not the gamer here, right? Okay. But my thing is is that when I'm playing a video game I, there's a part of me that still wants some level of knowing that I actually am playing a video game. I don't need it to look like I'm actually killing somebody. I don't need it to actually look like Spider-Man's about to swing into my house. I need it to, I, I, I like having that kind of like separation between the reality and the fantasy of playing the video game because that way it still feels like play to me. At the end of the day, it's play. It's a PlayStation. It's not a real station. It was so, definitely it was definitely hard with that first I know that kid. <laughs> it was definitely hard that first video game that I played where it looked just like me and it kind of freaked me out. And that, that game was Pitfall. Uh, on the Atari 2600. And I realize, and Randy Randy will tell you, that looks just like me when I run through the woods. And when I'm jumping on, when I'm jumping on crocodile heads, it's, it, it, and, and so I kind of got uncomfortable with it. You're, you're right. <laughs> I'm playing it out, I'm terrible. I, I would say like the separation lent to me like still comes with the fact that like you're holding a controller. Now, I don't, fully understand how some people get like you know the oculus rift and the the vr sorts of games like i understand the appeal of it but like yo that might be too real for me it's like let me just have the controller and just be amazed by the graphics and like the soundtrack and everything and just get immersed that way 
mm-hmm. putting the whole headset on is like, well, now you're actually the character in the video game, and every action you do is what the actual character does. So, like that to me, that's too real. But I can see what they're doing that. I just put Aquas yeah. before I tripped over some furniture in the house. <laughs> oh, uh, right? You know, uh, how do you, you know, <laughs> especially, <laughs> oh, you know what? Especially Batman the VR game. Right. Oh, especially the Batman bad VR. Sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, Dante. Uh, I was just saying, uh, I think you enjoy like the Batman VR one because uh, when you actually become Batman, you actually throw batterings. You look at the, like, you actually, this shows you putting on a bat suit and everything. I think you enjoy that one. No, no, the dark dawn rises. No, no, I, I it, somebody actually pitched me. I, I hear you, Dante. I'm sorry. Have um, you never seen Len and Batman in the same place? I can't guarantee that he's not. Uh, Batman. Hmm. Interesting. Anyway, someone had pitched us once um, about developing a YouTube show of watching me play as Batman on. I think it was like Arkham Asylum. And I was like, you don't need to see that happen. Um, because I'm letting you, I'm letting you know right now, I will spend the whole time looking for the joystick. Like, I don't, <laughs> you do not, you do not want to see me playing a video game. Batman will literally look like Batmite on that, on the screen. It will not Crap. be a pleasant, Crap. pleasant time. Crap. Exactly. Exactly. It'll look totally, totally bad. You do not want to see that happen. It might be fun for like two minutes, and you'll be like, please get this man off this controller. Like, Len, Len gets stuck on the tutorial. I was like, oh, God. I, the, whole time I'm running, the whole time I'm just going to be running around like, where are the mushrooms? I'm so, I need some turn this mushroom so I can get big and I can fly and, and, and jump down the tube. Like, and aren't I supposed to hit some bricks and get some coins now? Like, what just trying to hit his head, his head on stuff. Excuse me, I'm like, excuse me, Joker. Have you seen the princess? Like, that's just the only thing that I'm going to be doing on the game. That's when the game actually stops and be like, uh, I think we in the wrong game. All the villains just walk away. Right? We're done. This is different. Uh, excuse me, sir. What are you? What? Uh, all right, I guess. Yo, some games do that though, but like some games, if it realizes that you're having a really hard time, it will pause. Like, do you want to change the difficulty? Like that would be what will happen to Len. <laughs> really terrible. You it's you terrible. you are so bad at this that we think we should downgrade you yeah. to 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 level minus seventeen. Is this? You know... <laughs> As a matter of fact, the game is just going to self eject from the PlayStation. <laughs> You're embarrassing yourself, player one. <laughs> Would you like to play Wheel of Fortune? <laughs> I think you know it'd be a good game for you. E.T. on it. <laughs> Sorry, I got yo, that. It was the worst game ever. That's the game right oh, there. Oh God, yo, E.T. was the worst. <laughs> E.T. killed video games for a long oh, time. Oh my God, dude! Did you see the special about the E.T. video game? Oh, nope. the one where they dug them all up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, I did actually see that. <laughs> it was amazing. I had that game. I used to play it all the time. And E.T. Well, E.T. all the time. There was a Raiders of the Lost Ark video game. I remember that one. That I, I used to play all the time. Um, although I still say to this day, the hardest game I ever played was it wasn't Pitfall. It was Pitfall 2. Yep. Because Pitfall 2, you had to go rescue your, uh, your daughter, right? And it was a side scroller. So you went across like, 
God knows how many screens. And about three screens into the game, right below you was your daughter. Yep. You had to go 700 screens over, mm-hmm. 3,000 screens down, back over just to get around the – you could get down to her, right? Like two screens down. You can get down to, to the screen before her, and there was a rat that you couldn't jump over. Right. That was it. It was just a rat. And every time you tried to jump it over, it would just push you back. You tried to jump over, it would push you back. You had to go all these screens around this thing. Just it was ridiculous. This dude could jump on alligator heads and mm-hmm. swing over up. He could not jump over a rat. Grab those balloons. Yeah. It was insane, dude. The worst game, worst thing ever. That and impossible mission. You gotta remember impossible mission? Yeah. Impossible mission was a uh mission impossible ripoff. It, yeah, exactly. It was a PC game, right? And you were just going, you get in the elevator and you go down, and you're just going through all the boards, and then, like, you never, you didn't have any weapons. All you could do was run and jump over stuff and, like, flip. And then you have to, like, go to computers and turn stuff off so that the, the robots there would. I don't know how the game ends. There's a YouTube video somewhere of a guy defeating the game, like, from the beginning. It took him, like, five hours. Really? Oh, mind you, this was like in '87, where oh, five hours on a, it was like your your entire life. It was insane. It's it's absolutely nuts. And then it would start off. There was a little computer voice. It would say, "Stay for a while. Stay forever." That was it. it was the only noise in the game. It was it's it's ridiculous, ridiculous. The hardest thing I ever encountered in video games. Uh, I, I I I don't I didn't mean to to skip over. We were all talking about our geek friendships and you know and, and our squads and everything like that. But we didn't uh, talk to uh, Dante. Dante, do you have friends? Hey, yo! Wow! <laughs> oh, okay. Thank <laughs> I have you know I have a handful of friends that I keep. Terrible human being. But the, I, I'm the friends I've had, I've known since the beginning of high school, and we're right. still friends today. Like they've had kids, and I'm the only one. Well, no, it's two, three, two, three of us that haven't had a kid yet. So, but yeah, I've, I've been to the weddings and everything. Been the best man at one of uh, my best friend. So, uh, actually, they met in high school. <laughs> it's funny because I dated his wife in high school, and he's married to her now. But we're all still best friends. Oh God. <laughs> oh, we can swap stories. <laughs> <laughs> but I love them to death. Like they're they're like my brother and sister died. I've never had, and like all my friends are just like family. Basically, anytime I need help, they're always there. Uh, anything that we just want to geek out about, like I have my friends who just like game, and we geek out and game and just talk about nonsense, and they're just great. I, but for me, it's just I keep a handful of people that. I really, I know I can really count on and just keep that cool friendship with. Um, and then there's you all here. Except for Lynn. That's cool, man. Except for Lynn. Wow. Yeah, Lynn, Lynn didn't hurt my feelings now. I don't know. If That's what he's trying to say. <laughs> he's, out, he's outside of this circle. I don't know. Why you like that? That's fine. I will be your I'll be your friend just because of that hotness 18-inch Galactus back over Thank your you. uh, right shoulder there. That's... Thank you. 
appreciate it. You're, you're more than welcome. Those are Dante's real friends. They never leave. Did you? These are my the kids. Day? These are my kids, not my girlfriends. Yeah. Hey, I thought you said they were with Dante's girlfriend. I thought so too. Real friends. I was like, dang, I said you too. I said, hey, I said real friends. They never leave, but all right, if y'all want to make the joke worse, yeah, you got yeah. that. These are the kids. I don't have to feed them. And they never talk back. They're the best kids I ever had. I, I, I wouldn't let the story get out that you don't feed your kids. I wouldn't say that in mixed company, Dante. I'm just looking out for you, bro. I'm just looking out for you. Everybody you just keep your you keep your kids kids on a stand and you don't feed them. Like sure I just too. wouldn't say that like that in mixed company. I'm just I'm just saying. All right. But one of the good things about you know um having like a squad that you roll with is and that especially when you do have like you know, similar likes and similar hobbies and things that you are into is that you can all get together and go, um, go to these comic book conventions that are all over all over the country. And a lot of times when you go to these conventions, one of the, the best things about going to comic book conventions are going there with your friends, mm-hmm. but seeing friends that you haven't seen for a while. You know, you, you all come together at the convention, you know, you uh, here in Philadelphia, we have had a couple. We have a couple of conventions: the Greater Philadelphia Comic Con, and then we have Wizard World. And you have people coming in from out of town, or all across the Delaware Valley, at least in the East Coast, to go to these conventions. And a lot of times, that's when you get together and you see somebody. You have, you know, like, oh man, I haven't hung out with you since since last year, you know, and you catch up. And and that for. For a lot of people, I know certainly for me, it's the one of the highlights of going to uh, comic book conventions, and I think one of the things that will be lost. And I believe it wasn't at a comic book convention that where we first met you, Keith, or was it we? That's where you first met me. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and uh, just to before going to that story, just to really point that Isaiah made a great. Uh, mentioned that you know, your true friends are those that you could just roll up on even six months later and it's like you've not missed a beat, right? right? You don't you don't have to go through all the minutia of yeah. you know one upmanship and stuff. You just start hanging out, you start telling jokes, and you just start having a foundation. That's what the that's what a lot of the con family really is. Those people that you see maybe only at at shows two or three times a year, and and those are the friendships that I personally am am suffering from from losing over the last three months, which was really going deep into a, a convention season for me, not just the convention that, that I co-own faithful comic-con, but you know, I missed, uh, an amazement missed Oak city comic-con, you know, just, just other, other local shows here in North Carolina. But yeah, Lynn, uh, the first time I think I actually met you is, uh, Randy had called me. I was working at New York city comic-con mm-hmm. and, uh, doing, uh, you know, coordinating panels and screenings. And, uh, Randy had talked about coming up and, and was hooking up. I think you and Kennedy and, uh, Jason, I think, yeah. or it was, it was Jason. No, yeah. It was, yeah Eric. It, was Jason. it was Eric. Was Eric or Jason? It was Eric. It was our first. It was, one was Eric. Eric. Emac. Emac. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, that's right, because that's kind of right before uh, Jay got involved. And uh, yeah, you you came up, and Randy had told you to to look out for me. And I think we had hooked up, and I was in the middle of a C and and you yes. know post pandemic world. 
you know, you can't imagine these, you know, couple thousand people in this huge room going into eight or 10 different panel rooms. And I think you, uh, you guys were lining up uh, to see uh, uh, Bruce Tim. Bruce Tim, yeah. And it was the Green Lantern animated uh, show on WB, right? That, that he yeah. was, he was yeah. talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, and, and and that's the first. And Randy told us to look out for you, and he said, you know, when you get there, just look up and you'll see Keith because yeah. it, <laughs> yeah. it's hard to tell right now because Keith is sitting down, but he literally is six foot forever. That is how tall he is. Like, because um, I think you are you taller than Randy? Yeah, he's got he's a good four inches taller than me. Yep. Randy, Randy and I together equal thirteen feet of awkward. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Woo. Jeez. it's crazy it's crazy um yeah but uh, I, I remember i remember i remember that that moment because I, I mean i was probably 20 cups of coffee into the day uh yeah i've always these cons i've worked i've always been put in charge of you know lines and, and guest relations uh you know some because of my size some because i could you know really project my voice and you guys over here you guys over here right. and uh yeah i remember i remember uh you know busting guys through the line i think we got pretty close in that panel up front mm-hmm. yes, that was fun with the uh the other guys in there there was another podcast group that was in there from reading those guys randy used to be the golden eagle comics and yeah and ready yeah, yeah. they, they had a, a podcast for a while that i that i listened to you know back in the early days of tribbles as well uh yeah but that was the first con i think we we were all at together randy yeah. missed randy missed his train he got off late from his job in delaware dante and i think he uh may have missed that panel but showed up later no nah, you know what it was i had a sh- i think i had a show that saturday and i wasn't able to make it up until sunday was that the next year i forget yeah. but again I, I went to new york comic con for about an hour one year yeah and i, I think it might have been the next year yeah uh but yeah I think I had to work or something. I, I forget. But I, I but I knew I was like, all right, he's there, he's handling stuff, he's gonna take care of my guys, we'll get them together, and yeah. history was made. And that was fun. I remember us having a great time because Keith did get us up close. Um and we but we were in there and he got us in there a little early. So we were everybody we were waiting for everybody to come in. And I think Bruce Tim had come in and he was sitting up front kind of like waiting to be called up to go up onto the to the stage and eric was like i'm gonna give him a tri- i'm gonna give him a flyer and we were like i don't know if you want to give him a flyer man he's sitting there like on, on chill on, on, he's like yeah he's sitting there on chill i'm gonna tell him to chill and i and listen to this podcast and emac being emac sashayed yep. himself up there and gave him a flyer and as he was walking back to us, he was like mouthing. He was mouthing to us. Is he reading? Is he reading? Is he reading? He's like, yeah. He's looking at the flyer. He's looking at the flyer. And I said, and it's it's going in his pocket. So I think that means that it's a keeper. So he's like, all right, all right, we in, we in, we in. So we was like, all right, cool. <laughs> and those, I mean, those are moments that make shows. Yeah, for you, those are those are the the reason you go and you deal with the lines and you deal with the the overpriced slice of pizza at the javits center and all that is is because you get you get those moments like you know yeah i've been extremely you know lucky i mean i'm a 
my first conventions were uh, Dungeons and Dragons, you know, cons. Okay. I always I always dreamed of going wow. to Gary Con. Yeah. Uh, never, you know, never got there. But you know, that was my sort of thing that was around where I grew up in upstate New York. But you know, when I you know started having a job and getting a little bit of disposable income and wanted to get my comic collection back going, you know, I started going to shows and uh, started taking my kids. And when my kids were young, they got in free, right? Yeah. And then then they got into cosplay and they started making friends. And then it started costing me three tickets or four <laughs> tickets, or right. you know. Right. And I'm like, I this is getting expensive. And I'm like, then I realized, well, I could just volunteer at these things, and I get the basic experience, if not better. And I'm going to give you one example of why it gets better, uh, you know, free. And then they usually give you an extra ticket or so, so my kids get in free, and you know, I can let them run around, and I, I'm there. So it's become conventions for me has become an extreme uh, family thing that I do with my two daughters. Um, but it was, uh, I think that same show we're talking about New York city comic-con is, you know, I was lucky enough again, because of my size, you know, just kind of bodying people around and Stan Lee was there, uh, to promote his, uh, one of his projects where somebody pitches an idea, Stan says, go for it. And they give him a comic book for an issue. Uh, I think it was called project superhero or something. I can't quite remember, but for whatever reason, I got to walk Stan Lee from this panel room back to the green room. And he, he said, hey, Keith, you know, come walk, walk next to me, walk next to me. I'm like, oh, my God, this is awesome. You know, not only did you know, the great Stan Lee use my name, but he, he wants me to walk with him. And as we're walking, he goes, do you know why I wanted you to walk with me? I'm like, no, sir. I'm sorry, sir. You know, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, like when we used to lay out Spider-Man in the panels, we would put Spider-Man up high because that's where we wanted the reader's eye to go. And just like Spider-Man, you're where the eye is going to go. So when all these people realize that you're walking around with the great Stan Lee and they see you, who's nobody, we'll already be past them and they won't bother us. And <laughs> I didn't really quite know if I had been complimented or just or both. <laughs> but it was an amazing moment. <laughs> so... Did he really refer to himself as the great Stan Lee? He's, yeah, the great Stan Lee, and I believe he also fit Excelsior in there once or twice. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he did. Yes. I'm Not sure sick. he did. Um, I, I think my favorite con moment, well, my two favorite con moments, and it happened both with the same person, um, is when I went to Greater Philadelphia Comic Con one year, and I was fortunate enough to be able to interview Nichelle Nichols, which I've, I've always said is like my number my number one moment mm. like of being a, a black triple. Like that like I love each and every one of you, but there's nothing that will ever happen between any of us that will top me sitting there with Nichelle Nichols. On and the Enterprise when the Tribbles were there. <laughs> she, she's first hand Tribble. <laughs> right about that. Right about that. Um, so we we were talking and uh, I think I've mentioned it before that um, th I spoke with her not long after Leonard Nimoy had passed. And uh, I had only asked her to, to speak with me for about, you know, like give her maybe give me five minutes. And I wound up sitting with her for an hour. So now we were coming down to the end of that hour. And I realized that I hadn't brought up Leonard Nimoy and he had only just passed. So I felt like, you know, you know, like, you know, uh, I, you know, I got to do my, my reporting. I've got to be like, you know, 
keep my you know integrity. So I asked her about Leonard Nimoy, and she said that she had been asked several times to um, speak about this, but she hadn't. Um, she just didn't know what to say. And then she touched my hand, and she said, "But I feel safe with you because we. I feel like we're from the same block." Um, and then she just gave me this like real dope quote, like like for about like uh, maybe about a good five minutes going on what Leonard Nimoy meant to her in her life um, professionally and also as a friend and how much he looked out for her and and the rest of you know her guys. Mm-hmm on Star Trek, uh, especially when it came to doing the movies and everything like that. Um, and it was just a real beautiful tribute to him. And I thought, it, I was like, wow, I just felt honored that she would, you know, give me that moment. Um, so that's like my, my favorite moment. But a, a close number two is that earlier in the interview, I had mentioned to her that you know, I'm I was a big fan of her from Star Trek, but I was also a fan of her because she was in the classic black exploitation movie Truck Turner with Isaac Hayes, where she actually plays a madam. And there's a classic scene you can see it on YouTube where she is basically telling all of her hoes, and she don't use the whole word, to they better have her money. And get out there and shake it and don't come back with no change. And um and she's dropping F bombs left and right. And I'm talking to her about how she got cast in that movie and she starts laughing. She's like, You watched that movie? I was like, Yes, I did. I love that movie. She said and she said, They ain't think your horror knew how to curse. <laughs> she said, <laughs> then she said she said, in the middle of this convention, fortunately, nobody could really hear us. She said, but then I told him, oh, UMF, UMFers ain't heard nothing yet. <laughs> she just, I was like, yo, this was this 70-year-old woman was giving me the straight biz. I was That's loving amazing. it. I was amazing. loving it. That was so That's dope. awesome. <laughs> so dope. That is fantastic. Um, I, see, my 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 camp my con moment is nothing close to that nothing close but uh so this was uh three or four years ago i was in portland um with gangster grass and there was it was the the year they had the really bad forest fires out there so we had to cancel a bunch of shows so we wound up just kind of hanging out in portland and we reached out and uh a guy was like, hey, do you guys want to come do an after party for Rose City Comic Con? We're like, sure. I was like, heck, heck yeah, let's do that. So I go, um, I, I was, it turns out that it wasn't an official sponsored party from the con, which I didn't know, but I got up early the next morning. I went to the con, just walked in, just kind of walked in. It was like, just looking around for folks like, um, excuse me, I'm supposed to be doing an after party tonight. Anybody got passes for me? I walked, I went through the whole con. That's this is where I met and interviewed Rags Morales. Nice. And David Walker. And I was losing my mind because I had just finished, I had just read his uh his shaft stuff. And I was like, you're like the greatest thing and greatest dude in the world. Um walked through the whole con, 
finally got some passes. Uh, we came back. We walked around the con. We performed a little bit down on the con floor. We did the show that night. Rags came out to the show. It was fantastic. Didn't pay for nothing. We weren't officially part of the con or anything. I was like, ah, I'm just going to walk in here and see what happens. Nobody said a word. Every now and again, when you're when you're big enough and black enough, you can just kind of walk into places and yeah. and you know can't get away with it. It, it was dope though. But uh, I saw Dave uh, about two years later uh, at in D.C. He was there for a con, and uh, I was there uh, touring again. And he had just come out of Avengers Endgame, and he came, I was like, "Oh my God, David Walker! You're David Walker! Holy smokes!" And everybody was like, we're going to see Endgame. I was like, but David Walker, he's right. Get David Walker. That was dope. That was, that, that was, at Portland, if you get ever get a chance to get out to, to Rose City Comic Con, it, it's, it's dope. It's pretty, pretty dope. Yeah, I, I haven't done Rose City out there. I did, uh, I was actually at a Wizard World uh, Comic Con at Portland. I was actually working my real job out there and just happened to be a, a show. That's where I met Peter Mayhew, uh, you know, Chewbacca, oh. uh, before he passed. And you want to, you want to talk about a big man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hands just big, <laughs> but the nicest, nicest guy in the world. He had just had a double knee replacement, so he was sitting down and still taller than me at six eight. And uh, <laughs> uh just a, a an amazing, amazing moment just because uh that man is able to emote emotion through all that costuming is still yeah. a, a huge with no words. Yeah, uh, you know, just a huge part of of my childhood that I remember. I remember when um I think it was at Wizard World, maybe it may have been at New York Comic Con. It, it was. It was at New York Comic Con, our first New York Comic Con, and me and Kennedy sat down with Phil Lamar. And um Kennedy, who is a huge fan of Phil Lamar, but pri- and uh, primarily from Samurai Jack, mm-hmm. uh Kennedy was in like hard geeking and and she wanted to handle the interview which was fine i let her handle the interview but she was hard geeking man i mean the the flop sweat was dropping off of her it was popping mm-hmm. on phil it was flopping on me but she she handled it like a trooper man um but she was she was hardcore geeking she was like she was so freaking nervous and um but we got through it It was a great interview we've played it a couple of times i might uh, put it on as a special Mm. um it's a great interview we became samurai triple and everything like that but me and her were talking about it joking about it as we were walking through the convention and we turned the corner and there was george perez sitting at a um at, at at a table all by himself now George Perez is my favorite comic amazing book artist. artist. Amazing artist. He's my he's my absolute favorite comic book artist in the world. Um, so I saw him and Kenny's like, "We gotta go talk to him. We gotta talk to him." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I can go talk to him." So I walked up to him, and he and like by the time I got there, somebody came up and he had like a Wonder Woman picture there. I started looking at it, and he was like, "Hey, how you doing? Uh, you like me to sign that for you?" I was like, "Uh huh." <laughs> and he was like, uh, "Sure." And he, he sounded like you know the George. And he was like, "What's your name?" I, uh, uh, and I hear Kennedy from over my shoulder, Len, Len. I was like, Len. 
He's like, <laughs> he's like, man. He's like, thank you. I was like, thank you. And I, I just walked off. I was, I was dumb. Straight, straight dumb. I never, I have never geeked so hard in front of any human being in my entire life. Like I geeked that moment in front of George Perez. Did I ever tell you that a buddy of mine has hung out with George Perez several times? Keith, you remember Ken? I know Ken. Jealousy. (laughs) He looks mad jelly. You know where he hung out? You know where he hung out with George at? Fetish con. Fetish con. <laughs> I'm, 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 yeah. yeah. Multiple times. Yes. He's like, yeah, hardcore. That's my man. He was like, he's yeah, that's hardcore. my man. He's hardcore into fetish. Yes. He's like, yeah, that's my man. Uh, we, yeah, we chilled a few times. Yes, 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 yes. I, I, I know that George, I, I know the man. I know he's hardcore into fetish. Dude, I had questions. I just. Amazing. George, I just have one question for you in 17 subparts. Uh... <laughs> exactly, man. Exactly. So, uh, Dante, what, do you have like a favorite con moment? Um, I say two. Uh, first time it was when well, Wizard World still had artists coming. Uh, so, you know, that was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> it still had like comic, like comic, actually, comic book artists coming. Uh, I got to meet. Akira Toriyama. Oh wow! Ooh, nice. Wow. He was, he was there signing the Dragon Ball Z magazines, the covers, and me and my buddy were there. We were like, "Yo, like we're big fans of Dragon Ball Z." He's like, "Oh, he's like, thank you." He's like, "I appreciate it." He's like, "Yeah, that, that's awesome." He's like, "I love it when people say that to me." I'm like, <laughs> I was shaking at that point. I was like, "Thank you." I just took my little cover day side and just walked away. I'm like. <laughs> We were just like, yo, we talked to the character. <laughs> but I, I still have the cover to this day. So I, That's I, awesome. There you go. And then the second one, I think I told you about last year. Uh, I was waiting for the Hasbro uh, to, uh, designers coming off the stage. And Todd McFarlane had just got off the sci-fi stage. And he was coming. He was there signs, books, and everything. And people had, like, tons of books. And it was him and his wife, and I think it uh, I think it's his mom was there as well, but I think it was, I can't remember. Uh, but he was like, I was like, hey, I was like, hey, Ty, I was like, you know, I hope your movie gets made. He's like, well, you know, it's hard to get stuff made. You know, you got to deal with a lot of things and yeah, you got to fight for what you want, you know, but you know. Did he put his hand on your shoulder like that? Yes. Guy? Yes, he did like the following. Dante felt blessed. He went, oh. And whatever shirt you were wearing, is it now preserved in a Ziploc you know, somewhere? <laughs> not, not only that, that, that shoulder stinks to high heaven because he hasn't washed it. <laughs> he ain't watching the sand. It's like I haven't washed this hand since I high-fived Andre the Giant when I was seven in 1978. <laughs> it really sucks with this old COVID thing. They say wash. I'm like, no. <laughs> the Andre the Giant hand. I can't. <laughs> But Tom, I mean, Tom McFarlane, you know, especially and, and you know, that comment about, you know, hope you get your, your, your movie man stuff. He is one of the few people that that I respect so much for maintaining the control of their creator owned characters, you know, their creator own own moments. So, of course, it's it, it's hard when you're not a sellout. 
Yeah. And 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 so I I've always respected him for that and a little disrespect for taking so much money out of my pocket for toys. <sighs> His toys be banging though. The McFarland toys. Change 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 this the uh, Don't get Dante started. Don't get Dante started, man. <laughs> <laughs> he was no. hating on that that newest line of, uh, that he just did for DC. He was hating on those, man. Yo, those figures. <laughs> It, what makes me more mad is not even the figures from the DC line. It's the Kickstarter he did for his spawn figure. Oh, yeah. I mean, let, let's get a whole lot of money for something that's going to make me a whole lot of money anyways. Looks like but, $3 million worth of it. Yeah. Oh, Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, See, what? Th- this is the first time I'm hearing this. Uh, really? Todd McFarlane had to do a Kickstarter for one of his figures? Oh, I'm not yes. sure how to, but Dante, tell tell Len this. It's... So, basically, his story was, this is, and this is what he said in his Kickstarter, that Stores would not carry his spawn figure. He couldn't. Uh, he couldn't go to like Targets or WalMarts, and they wouldn't carry the figure. So he's like, "All right, well, I'll go make my own figure," and that's what he did the Kickstarter for as a spawn figure that's supposed to be super articulated. And how? And then he has. Well, first when it started, it was like only three tiers. Like I think it was like three or four tiers. You could buy the regular spawn. Then there's a spawn with a second head on it. Then it was like a, um, I forget what they call it. Uh, shoot, I guess like almost like the artist representation of it. Mm-hmm. It came in that color, like the, mm-hmm. the clay molding color. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right. And then there was one that you can buy, you get all three figures. Right. Then once he got a little bit more money, he was like, oh, well, let's go ahead and change up what you can order. Then it came like four more things came available. Then he Y'all started adding. Okie doke. Right, he got he got us. I, I'm not gonna lie, he got my money for it. Like I'm not gonna lie, I'm, I'm mad, but he got my money for it. Mm. He threw mm. on a sword, he threw on some guns, mm. he threw on some extra hands. He's like, mm. here's Al Simmons head that you can put on the figure too. Mm. First, it was like a, a cast color. I'm like, all right, so what am I gonna do with this? Then he's like, well, I'll give you the painted face too with it if you go with this with this one. And he's like, well, I'm doing this all on for free for if you do all these bundles. I'm like. Yeah, you got to play the game very well. You knew how to, and you and he got the money. He got almost three million dollars. So he, it's nothing. And then whatever Kickstarter gets out of that, he's still coming away happy. Still coming away. He's like, we're in the money. We're in the money. I mean, no offense, but y'all fell for the okie doke. We did. The Spawn toys have. It's been a long time. Let's put it this way. It's been a long time since the Spawn action figures have really moved out of Walmart or any toy store anyway, dude. So the fact that they weren't, he couldn't get them in there. Who cared? That's not where they're even moving out of. So the fact that y'all y'all bought that bill of goods, that's shame on y'all. Come on. I'm not gonna lie. He got us. Right. Funny part. Other, he made other figures that were selling in Target and Walmart, which I didn't understand. But you're saying Spawn would not sell because he's such a violent character and he's horrific looking. I'm like, yeah, okay. This They were selling uh, Breaking Bad figures at Toys R Us and they took them down because somebody complained. So, because they me. came with real life meth making equipment? Well, they, they, I, or at least the instructions. They had the instructions. <laughs> <laughs> Walter White has instructions on there. Yeah. yeah. That's what happened. It was underneath his hat. 
That's where the that's where the recipe is. Okay. The recipe okay. Is. Look at on the label in real tiny letters was the recipe for crystal meth. Crystal meth. Yes. For informational purposes only. <laughs> Do not try this at home. You know, Todd, was she still trying to make that money back from the uh Mark McGuire baseball? That's all. No, he was trying to make that that's oh, extra money right. that he put into his movie. That's what it is. We just basically financed half of the movie. Well, anyway, sorry, guys. But, um, oh my God. <laughs> but that's a great meeting. I mean, that's a, a McFarland <laughs> meeting like yeah. that and a moment is something yeah. that, you know, when are we going to get that again? Because that, well, that wasn't something you paid for or planned for. It just happened, right? right? Yeah, it, it, yeah, he was just there. I was just standing there hanging out, and he just walked up. He was signing. He was real nice. The fans who were there just signing comics. He was like, "Ah, yeah." He's like, "Sure." He's like, "Yeah, bring more." Just sitting there signing, signing away. And I just said, "Yeah, I hope you get your movie." And that's when he went into his long speech, and his wife looking at me just like I'm, like I'm the son that they never had. I'm like, "Okay, oh, uh, then you, Dad, can we go home." You should have claimed that for a family discount then when you got <laughs> over there. Exactly. But that's that's a thing. You know, there's uh, all these, you know, these larger shows like GalaxyCon. I'm not speaking bad about anybody, but they, they'll, they'll hook you up with a McFarlane or a Shatner or, you know, somebody for, you know, three minutes of one-on-one time for $300. And you want to talk about getting in your pocket. Yeah. Not, uh, you know, last time I paid three hundred dollars for a video chat, it sure as heck wasn't for a con. Amen. And that was only back when AOL was charging a hell of a lot <laughs> per minute. But oh, God. Um, Kennedy, who was, who was upset that she couldn't be here, but she had prepared a little list of some of her top ten and, and some of our uh, top moments from conventions. One of them was definitely meeting Phil Lamar. Um, Another one was when uh, any time that we we're at these conventions and we're able to meet a lot of the black independent artists and uh, writers and they become friends of the show and, and, and even still become even close, closer friends of ours. Um, I know that it was at it was actually at Epoch where I first met Chuck Collins, who um, of the Bounce comic strip. Um, and and Chuck is now a, a longtime friend of the show. And, and, and everybody, if you have not if you have not got hold of Bounce by 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 Chuck, that is an amazingly well written, intelligent, funny strip. But the art is absolutely amazing. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Uh, it's insane. And, and it's funny how it started out being about a guy, a bouncer at a bar, and now it is dipped into like almost oh, like this Game of Thrones. Uh, Ab- yeah, isn't that awesome? It's where he, where he's, where he's taking it. Like all of a sudden, yo, you're one of five. Everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but but yeah, I related to it. I mean, just just from Jump Street because you know I spent a lot of time working the door bars. Randy spent a lot of time working the door, you know, bar. And man, he just captured that. Bullshit. So well, the whole thing. Yeah, sorry. The whole shift. You're right, man. Absolutely, just magnificent stuff. The way he did that. Yeah, and it it was also at um, conventions where we became lifelong friends Mm -hmm. with uh, Eric Battle and Stephen Harris. 
Jamar Nicholas. Um, when I believe it was at a convention, I, f- I forget which convention, uh, Isaiah was there when we had a really cool, well, I know I had a very cool uh, interview with Afua Richardson that I will remember. To, Chicago, C2E2. Yes, at C2E in Chicago. Yep. In Chicago, we sat down with Afua Richardson and, whew, man, that was a, that was a good time. Yep. <laughs> that, was a, that was a good time. Uh, speaking of Afua Richardson, she actually is going to be a guest. It's kind of like there's a nice segue into what con life is going to look like uh, in the future. Um, there are comic conventions that are being canceled left and right, but there are also some comic conventions that are kind of like changing up how they're doing things. And one of them is the upcoming Fayetteville Comic Con, which is going to be happening at the end of June, where I believe before Richardson is also going to be a guest, where she will be interviewed, I believe, by the, the reasoned one over there. Randy, the super triple, isn't that right? I he believe that's square triple. Yeah, yep. So you know, like Len's saying, you know, with uh, the last show I went to, uh, the end of February first of first of March, even after some of this was hitting, uh, was a small show, Florence Comic Con. Uh, you know, we were there to promote our show in April, kind of knowing that maybe that wasn't going to happen, uh, but waiting for the venue to cancel. Uh, but even in April, when we were looking at all these forecasts, nobody was really anticipating that it would be, you know, well into the summer before any state opened up enough to have a gathering that had more than, you know, 25 or 50 people in, in a single space. Um, so as a, you know, owner of a, of a, of a company that, that does shows, you know, when you're in the hole, sometimes you dig deeper to get out of it. And so we took an opportunity to work with a marketing company to try to promote and do something online. Uh, but we didn't want to do this typical online, just watch and go. We wanted to do something sort of fun uh, and fast paced. But what that means when you're bringing in guests virtually is if you want to put a lot of stuff into a single block of time, every individual person doesn't have a whole lot of time to spend with you so even you know the time that randy's going to be able to talk with a is only going to be six to nine minutes of 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 time just to touch base with you know what a is working on now talking about some of her projects uh you know let randy geek out a little bit let you know when i was messaging her because we're friends you know uh, saying you know as long as you talk about your hip-hop covers uh because that's one of the subsets of comics that i collect is not only the the hip-hop covers that uh, artists have done for Marvel with uh, Marvel titles based on, on classic hip-hop albums, but also you know, Ed Pisker's uh, Hip-Hop Family Tree and some of those have been you know real big recent things I've been, I've been into over the last several years. But I want to have Afua be accessible to my fan base like she would be at a show for two days at a table and a couple hours in panels and I'm afraid that, you know, I don't really know how that's going to translate when it's just uh, how you doing, Miss Richardson, for the last, you know, couple months instead of that deep dive that people really, really get into. So uh, it, it's going to be tough to deliver the same feel of access to amazing artists, amazing writers, 
um, you know, amazing celebrities, uh, both, you know, screen voice actors uh, as, as we could, when you can give people that opportunities, like Dante says, you know, just, you know, meeting somebody after a panel or, or you say, you know, you know, just seeing George Perez sitting at a table, it's hard to recreate that. So it's definitely going to be a change for those shows and those, those areas of the country where people can't do a large, uh, large gathering. Um, I think the next one on the, on the books is, is Tampa is going to try to pull something off July 10th, Tampa comic-con. And that's a pretty big show. I mean, that's an eight to 12,000 person show. And, you know, Florida's crazy anyways, but you know, my fear is that, you know, who knows what the data is going to show after that, but I know. And then uh, Comic-Con, the, the granddaddy of them all, they've actually announced that they're going to still try and do something virtually. Mm. It's going to yeah. be Comic-Con at home yep. um, where they hope to still have like panels and, and yep. panel discussions. And I think they may even still try to in some way have like uh, trailers and, and yeah. stuff like that. And you're right. And it's I, it's and I imagine I imagine that San, like San Diego Comic-Con is going to be able to do something awesome online because right. they have that reach for the exclusives the yeah, trailers yeah. the i'm sure there's boxes or whatever the you know cases or whatever the 2020 toy was or the 2020 covers or the 2020 pin or whatever the mm-hmm. con exclusive is going to be that they need to offload somehow so that's where people are going to go to get that uh and you know other shows that have that big stable of, of high-powered guests can can do that, but but small shows or medium-sized shows. I mean, we're a, a ten-thousand-person show here in Fayetteville. Really, are going to have to struggle to maintain that brand because we don't do that guarantee to guests, or we don't, and we yeah. keep our our yeah. gate cost as low, right? Uh, you know, our, our cons in Fayetteville, North Carolina, home to Fort Bragg, you know, largest military installation on the face of the planet. Uh, and we, and we all know, although yeah, I bless every single one of them, we all know soldiers don't necessarily make a whole lot of money. Um, and, and, and so we keep our gate costs that you had like that $15 a day or whatever. We keep that low just so we can have a whole bunch of people come through and have a chance to, you know, be that geek family. And there's not that opportunity in Fayetteville for them to do it. Otherwise, there's a couple small comic book shops, great stores, great shops, but it's, it's not like, you know, that same exposure and, uh, and the con uh the the cosplay guests the cosplay kids are you know dying to get back with each other i mean even my daughters keep saying that that they're missing somebody coming up at just that awesome compliment i love your cosplay you know my girls live for that simple statement killed it last year man my uh, my girls do well my girls do well my girls do well randy was down in the fall for uh north carolina comic-con bull city they did it up, man. They were they were they were killing it. Yeah. Very very dope stuff. Yeah, my girls mostly anime cosplay, love live. A lot different than that first cosplay they did when the three of us were in a contest together, and they were uh, Bulbasaur and Oshawott, and I was uh, I was black I was Black Bolt, and I remember I remember my my youngest daughter having to go to the judges with me because I'm you know like you know Black Bolt you know King of the Inhumans. You know, answering the questions for me like Medusa would have to saying, well, you know, he can't talk or he'll blow you up. And that was all part of my, you know, that, that, was, that was all part of my shtick. 
<laughs> so. Yeah, the, the the cosplay is really. I mean, you know, let's face it. As much as everybody goes to see the tra- the latest new trailer and get the latest toys and you know go dumpster, you know, uh, you know, comic bit been diving yeah. for for the you know back issues and everything like that. But the real the real joy. Uh, joyful expression of going to any of these conventions, whether or not they be a comic book convention or a Star Wars or Star Trek convention or an anime convention mm-hmm. or what have you, even some of your more your more um, geekier fantasy conventions and or even like book conventions. The whole fun of them is like really just getting into the whole the cosplay, seeing people mm-hmm. just being adorned in their fandom is really what it's all about. And like that is the experience that I think is really going to be hurt the most by um, you know us losing out on so many conventions. I was looking at all of the 2020 conventions and, and um, the Youngstown Comics, Comic Con was canceled. Uh, Florida Supercon was, was canceled. Um, the Gateway, the official Stargate convention in Chicago has been postponed. The amazing Las Vegas mm-hmm. Comic Con has been canceled. I mean, so many of these conventions. Was the World are, St. Louis? Yeah. Uh, you know, just. And you're you're right. I I don't know. You know, I've I've cosplayed a lot uh, in the past. You know, it's it's tough because I'm a you know big fat man. Uh, a lot of costumes get way too hot, way too quick, but I've always enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, and there are a lot of hardcore comic book convention people that really play down on the cosplay. Yeah. Uh, but there's not a single convention that isn't made better by that aspect, in, in, yeah. in, in, in my opinion. That much uh, is- you know, Isaiah Super Saiyan Triple here. I mean, we get so many Dragon Ball Z cosplayers that come to talk. If we have a, you know, we had a Super Saiyan pod come out of Texas, uh, you know, two years ago that this guy, uh, Boba Carrera made, uh, showed to appear. And it was just awesome. You know, we get so many, uh, the anime scene gets oh. so much cosplay. The video game scene, whether it's Final Fantasies yeah. or Overwatch or, or any of those games just get, or, you know, the number of Master Chiefs I've seen are, is, is is amazing. Uh, I, I believe that I get exposed to more, I'm interested in more properties that I may not have been necessarily into because I've seen a cosplay that has yeah. Just a really good killer cosplay, yeah. Like I wasn't following One Piece, you know. I didn't, I didn't watch One Piece anime for for a long time until I saw some great One Piece cosplay, and I'm like, oh, that that guy's into it. that's cool. I want to, I want to figure out. And so then I'm, you know, binging One Piece. So, yeah, with well, like all the all the cosplays and like things that I see, like especially with like the anime stuff. Mm-hmm. For me, what really I think people are gonna miss a lot is that like as we were talking about earlier, is that, like, you know, we have, like, friends and stuff, you know, we get together, you never miss a beat. For some of these people, it's, like, when you meet them at conventions, like, maybe months beforehand, everyone's getting together trying to get, like, a group cosplay. And it's more so than, like, when you, like, shine by yourself, like, with, like, a nice cosplay that, you know, it took months to prepare or 
some cosplays like you actually have to get in like in physical shape for so like that alone is like already high regard when anyone says like hey i like your cosplay like that's already like a dope factor but then when it's you and then like another homie or your girlfriend and like a bunch of friends and you're doing like this group whether that be like you know team avatar or justice league the adventures or um what you know my friends and i did we were the team titans is like yo yeah respect because everyone was committed to that team yeah, and team not Titan like, squad was that was hot they and killed that, that, that yeah i remember that that's the awesome team Titan squad was hot y'all did that real yeah. hard yeah like my girls do a lot of love live and uh danganronpa mm-hmm. and stuff so they've they've got their crew that they even work out dances with you exactly. know the, those that idol fest stuff and and you know Ichiban Khan uh, and amazement do stuff like that and they can talk online and chat online but man they I've seen my girls grow so much by in their you know getting over social awkwardness and stuff by Mm -hmm. being part of those groups and working Mm -hmm. on those cosplays and and man seeing them with their their crew of nine or whatever it is typically for those idol fest groups it's about nine nine young ladies oh it's awesome so so go ahead go ahead i know what to call no no no. i was gonna say yeah it's like an irreplaceable feeling when you're like you're actually there uh in the scene with you know your friends or even just like like as weird as it sounds strangers who will then become your friends uh because like you're all interested in like the same thing uh it's it's irreplaceable it's a a feeling unlike any other just because like you can actually feel that you're in your element. Who are you playing in that Teen Titans group? I was Cyborg. And I think uh, for a lot of people, they never really saw anyone attempt being a Cyborg. So like one, that was already something that was cool. And then we even adopted a Beast Boy because I was Cyborg. My girlfriend was Raven. We had, my my friend was Starfire. My other friend was Nightwing. And then it was like, all right, so we're just going to roll out with whoever we have. And then luckily later that day, we was like, oh, Beast Boy, hey, we need a family photo. And came over and, you know, took the picture and everything. And he, uh, the person who was Beast Boy, he, like, kind of rolled with us for, like, a little right. bit until he had to go back with his crew. So it was just like, hey, you hey, you fit the squad. You are now one of us. You are a tribe now. Let's just go yeah. do our thing together. And That's awesome. Fun. So yeah. we're, we're, we're talking about our uh, comic book conventions, some of our favorite time at comic book conventions. We're also taking a... Uh, stab at what we think the comic book conventions of the post-pandemic world are going to look like. What changes, you know, what things we're definitely going to miss, we may have to um, miss out on uh, on from future con- conventions, and what changes may be in store. We also got a, we got a question, though, from Action Figure Expert, and he asked, do you miss when comic book conventions were all about the comics and the culture? Um, and I'm going to take a stab at answering that in that uh, I don't because I actually, I mean, they started uh, off as comic books. And I think I am probably being the oldest one here and remember a time when, at least to my viewpoint, comic books were kind of like one of the main gateways into you're a geek dumb. It's one of the main ways you shared being a geek. I mean, like every because if you were a kid, you were watching cartoons, but you, but you were just watching them because you were you you watched cartoons. It's what you did. But as opposed to not every kid got into comic books. 
So when you so when you were into comic books, that was kind of like you know, uh, that was like your your nerd nirvana. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But as the years have progressed, I think comic books have become less and less that gateway into geekdom. I don't. I, I would hasten to say that now I don't think it is even close to being number one. I think anime is definitely supplanted it as the as the gateway to to people finding their tribe of geekery that enjoys one another, followed not, you know, not far behind by video games or RPGs. Um, because as they've come out from under from the basement and are now being played in the living rooms and in comic book stores, you know, uh, they've taken on much more prominence. Um, and with that, the conventions, which started off as comic book conventions, have morphed into being so much more because they are about the culture and they're in capturing in everything. So I don't miss it. I think it's just a natural uh, growth of the the convention culture. Yeah, I I think the uh, the the thing that's managed to sort of keep comics though at the forefront has been the success of the movies. Yeah, I mean, particularly the MCU stuff has brought a lot more people in um, than than we than than we really thought because it was just more comic book people. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but it was it was so new to all of them that you know you you weren't sure you weren't sure where they were coming from until you unless you talk to somebody and you're like yeah you know I I just saw you know Deadpool or something I was like oh I want it now I want to go to the thing um, but I, I do think that where where anime is has has probably created a new subsect of geeks right like a, a i think the 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 success of the live action movies has brought a lot of the mainstream into that same space and and from there you know whether or not they stay in 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 comics and comic movies they they sort of find something else you know what i'm saying i can't tell you how many people came have come into the store and were like yeah i was a you know i was a uh i just saw whatever movie and then wanted to come see this and then I've started doing this and then I you know and now they're you know their thing now is uh the th- one dude was a was a was a huge Torito fan um one guy there was a kid that came in that was like you know I saw some movie and then I went to a convention because of this movie and like he said before I saw somebody in a one piece cosplay and I was like what is that yeah. And that was like a huge One Piece fan, but I I, I do think that the 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 success of the the movies um, has still kind of kept it comic, but I don't think it's it's I don't think it's keeping people in comics. I think it's putting people to comic cons, right. but I don't think yeah. it's necessarily because yeah. trans- for example, if you you know if you see the Avengers, I'm not sure you're going and setting up a pool for the Avengers comic book. Because it's different characters, and it's different stories, and it's different. I mean, you know, everybody here who's read comics knows that the movies aren't necessarily 100% true to comics. Right. And so that's great because that gives us a whole bunch of stuff to argue about when we don't want to talk about the real world. But the 
where I think people have gone into back issues and things is when they connect with a character, whether that character is Harley Quinn, and now somebody wants to go back and get that Batman Adventures 12, yeah, yeah. whichever, which, which, you know, that first uh, comic appearance of Harley Quinn, because, you know, she was introduced on the animated series first, or, you know, just connect with some character and start to dig into that and start to attend cons to find issues of that character. There's not a whole lot of, of people in my mind, that percentage has greatly dropped. And Randy, you know, you know, living a day to day, you know, at amalgam is, are people that are just continuing runs of titles, that's you know? Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Very true. Um, what, what do you say? What do you think it is Isaiah? Because your anime is definitely your drug. Oh yeah. Oh, easily, easily. It's my drug. Um, for, I think the two are really, really connected with like, you know, cartoons and being with like the live uh, action movies from like the Avengers. So I think they're interconnected along with anime because you get people who see something in one sort of aspect and it's like, all right, and they start to dwindle and drift over to like another side just because things are kind of related in theme. Um, but anime's, like, in, in my opinion, Anime's Rise also kind of deals with, like, hip-hop and more hip-hop artists and fashion designers with it being integrated into an even deeper culture of, of fashion, of music, of uh, even, like, athletes coming out and saying that, you know, they actually watched anime or liked it. Because, you know, for a while, anime was a very underground thing. Like, you like it, you're a weirdo. Um, but... You know, now that's at the the forefront, everyone's like, "Oh, anime is like really cool," but it has been for a while, and so have comics. Mm -hmm. And anime's like spread all. Everyone will probably say it started with tsunami, mm -hmm. and that's just having like the ability to watch it, watch something new, watch mm -hmm. something that is just different from the way it feels. It's story pacing, definitive endings. Uh, unlike comics, because they just keep yeah. restarting and re redoing characters. That's right. That's right. But uh, I, I think that's where it, it stems from from the most, and it's usually really colorful. Yeah, and there's so there's so many great anime properties though that yeah. are also very accessible to. I mean, granted, you know, there's there's anime and there's anime and there's anime style, but yeah. I mean. Pokemon has been a, a huge thing. It's still a huge thing at cons, and you see so many Pokemon characters cosplayed. Oh, so many voice actors. It's you can't go anywhere without Pokemon. I uh, remember was it July 2017. Oh, everyone lost their mind. Pokemon Go came out. Where was I, that I, I was I was actually at a con the weekend it came out. I was at a, a Charlotte Anime Con, and man, that was the. I mean, people just walking around. I was out till 4 a.m. on a street corner, like Randy and I used to be. But I was there defending a gym. I was exactly. not there. I was not there defending my neighborhood or my turf. I was there with a bunch of people I didn't know, you know, with a squirtle, you know, with a you know a 300 XP squirtle trying to keep a gym alive on the first day. Yeah, man, um, everyone was trying to live that best Pokemon dream. It was the complete opposite of where we're at now. But yeah, but but I think a lot of major conventions that have recognized uh the the need for a fa the fandom and just a general con attendance to have access to anime content mm -hmm. 
yeah. has definitely uh, grown and has helped a lot of shows, I think, be be more successful, more broad reaching. Uh, For sure. Even if it's just making sure that you've got a panel on Voltron, you know, mm-hmm. which or Miraculous Ladybug, which is French, doesn't really count, but still in that same style. Uh, those are just things that I think a lot of people can find their way into a deeper dive into anime. And then it's like, you know, then there's a guy in a one piece and you're like, oh, I, have, I don't know one piece. But then all of a sudden, you know, you know. Now you, just, now you do. Random in a kimono and a giant sword is like, oh, I want to get into that. And like, I want to know more. Yeah. And it's like, ah, so there's this thing called Bleach. Cool. I'm going to go watch that. Or yeah. dude with like a fishing rod. There's Hunter Hunter for you. Like, yeah. it's it's a whole bunch of different kooky characters. And uh, again, definitely with like a lot of the convention nowadays, it's smart to have both comics and anime being there uh, because nowadays more so about the culture and you can learn more and you can actually have more fun by experiencing both so i think that's like a smart convention i've been doing lately well that is one of the reasons why um uh the spider triple uh yep. time member of the black jason yeah. jason was successful with j uh j1 con mm-hmm. when he introduced that here into the philadelphia area and now in atlantic city because it embraced the culture overall. It wasn't a comic book convention. It wasn't wholly an anime convention. It just em- embraced the the uh, the the culture of being a geek and having a little bit of everything for everyone there. Uh, and and got bigger and bigger niche. and bigger every year. And you know, oh. and doing it right, doing it right with. Uh, you know, cosplay proms tied in and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, special releases of stuff. And just, just like, I mean, that dude's smart to begin with, but he's, he's smart in knowing that, that it's right to give people what they want. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he does a great job and everybody, I'm, you know, I know the triple nation knows about J one con, but anybody else who's tuning in for the first time or ever, I mean, make sure that, when the world does get back to normal that that uh show showboat casino is that what it's called what, what's the yeah, showboat, showboat yeah, casino showboat. in atlantic yeah. city uh where it's held at now and uh, super cool property i mean yeah, most definitely the, and, and and but but a lot of the the conventions that have sprung up lately is just like fayetteville and j1 con and uh blurred con down mm-hmm. in baltimore, baltimore. Yeah. Um, a lot of those conventions they they were successful because of embracing the culture and creating a community. And my fear is that, you know, in these, in these next few months where people are going to be, you know, the world is slowly opening up. And even now we're catching when there are stories about, you know, Oh my God, did we open up too soon? Because, you know, uh, Certain states are seeing like a, a rise again in COVID nineteen cases and things of that nature. Um, my fear is, is that these conventions that are so community based first, I, uh, um, where it is about just getting in there, being in the room with, you, uh-huh. with your with your tribe. You know, yeah. as opposed to something big like San Diego and New York and and even to a degree Baltimore kind, which is which is which is big. But all three of them are so big that they're primarily about like, you know, what their releases are. You know, it's it's, it's like mm-hmm. it, it, it's 
big celebrity made, appearances. Yeah, the celebrity big toy, big toy releases. Right. So, so they become so tight, but it's just because everybody's there to to see to be in the room. They want to be in the room when it happens. So maybe if they have to stagger that out, that's one thing. But if your convention is built on everybody just being in there and commiserating with one another, yeah. that I'm wondering how you're go- how conventions are going to traffic that because you. You can't stagger it, but so or much. or police that. I mean, yeah. I, you know. Okay, so you know, let's just pick a let's pick an artist. Uh, Jim Starlin uh, did mm-hmm. you know Warlock and you know the Death of Captain Marvel and all those you know just great covers. You know, I've seen him at some shows and I've always wanted to get something signed by him and I you know have like Infinity Gauntlet or something. But you know, he'll show up at the table and there'll be a line, right? So you kind of want to get there quick. And I judge if I'm going to go get in that line by how long that line is. Right. Well, if you take that line and now it's every six feet, that line of 30 people is going around the corner, down the hall. And I'm not standing in that line anymore because I, it just that perception of distance is yeah. uncontrolled. You know, it's just it's just something that we're not necessarily you know used to. If you're a convention goer, you're used to. Mm-hmm. You know, excuse me, and then that one person with the big wings coming down. Exactly, yeah, Isaiah. You know, just you know. Yeah. Uh, so without without that intensity of that crowd experience, is it going to feel the same? I know. I, know. I know. I I mean, I think even with if Con for whatever reason decide to actually open back up and allow people to enter their halls. I think that's going to drastically impact the amount of tickets sold. So that's going to impact the amount of people that come in. But also, like, it could, you could see, like, cosplayers end up wearing more masks. Like, they decide to do more mask characters. Like, that could be something. It's still obviously not the best thing, but that's a possibility in the future. I'm just gonna... whole cons full of Spider-Man and Dr. Fate. Like, oh, no, exactly. uh, or... there, just whatever. Yeah. Or only one character from Naruto. <laughs> it might be interesting if, if you... All have... ninja all the time. And then it'll just look like an empty room because you can't see them. Exactly. <laughs> if you had, had a convention and maybe you designate an, an, an aisle or a walkway that is just for your cosplayers. Because, you know, cosplayers, you know, mm-hmm. you know they... They take up so much room, and then mm-hmm. they stop traffic. Oh, so absolutely. If, if they only have one, and and to be fair, as much as they are there to be part of the mm-hmm. the scene as well, you know, like they want to do some shopping and everything like that. These people are getting dressed in these ornate costumes. A lot of them to get pictures taken. You know, yeah. to, to to be seen, to uh, to you know, uh, be a part of the the convention scene itself. So if you have a designated aisle that's just their path that they walk down, that may be one way of policing it. Um, my concern, it, 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 they, it, it, maybe they just turn into like an all-day parade of, of cosplayers, you know, walking down. Yeah, like they've started to do graduations. I mean, I passed a graduation day. I dropped my youngest daughter off at her nanny job at 9 a.m. this morning. They were just starting a high school graduation, you know, car coming every couple minutes i don't know what they did once they got to the property but that stuff was still going on at three o'clock when i picked her up yeah you know so it's just each person coming through to to do their thing but you know my you know the con i run for example i mean we're a come and hang out con you know we 
people come and hang out for the day there. We don't get a whole lot of people to just drop in the shop. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it's, it's tough chain. You know, the idea of changing something that's bringing people together with hugs and high fives and, and group photos and, and, and sitting in panel rooms and, you know, being in line to, to talk to, uh, you know, Damien Clark or another voice actor, you, you don't, there's no way to really look at that thinking that that's going to be the same behind a sneeze guard with sanitizers and gloves and, and just all of that. It's just, it's the, the feel of it is what I love about shows. And I'm, I don't think I can put on a show in a pandemic world that has the same feel. So Maybe we had to go to like time tickets or something like that. Uh, yeah. Do do you, instead of doing weekend passes, do you just sell one day passes only at, with morning and afternoons and limit the attendance? But the problem is, artist, guest, vendors make money off people being through the door, and that if That's you true. if they don't pick up that profit stream, I'm going to have to start yeah. subsidizing that, which means I have to start increasing ticket prices, which means less people are going to show up. And then you just get that that role. I mean, I I don't know if it there's any way that it could be the same if people have to worry about where they're supposed to go or when they can go there. Just real just go off what you said, Lynn. Like they do that in New York Comic Con. Like they have uh, they they have signs that are out there that say, "Hey, no stopping for pictures in this like aisle," <laughs> but they still do it. Yeah. But there's nobody. You had to have people there to police it. These volunteers, if you get enough, if you don't have enough volunteers, who's going to sit there and police it? Right. And, and that's the other issue that comes up. You like, you, you need volunteers. Who's going to really volunteer to be at the Comic-Con? Just be like, well, I don't know if I want to be around that many people. It's just kind of like, you know, you got, do you want to take that chance with everything still going on at that point? And just like, because uh, that's, because that's kind of get around, kind of get around it too, because they have pe- volunteers that come in. You know to help you know like like he was saying like walk guests through like the panel to the panels and to the tables and everything if you yep. can't get volunteers are you going to get to do it now but one of the other i mean liability it, we live in such a litigious society that volunteer if that yeah. volunteer did yeah. get ill and you mm-hmm. uh traced it whatever the they're calling that now tracing back contact tracing thank you which to me was how i actually did good art i just put tracing paper over somebody else's art (laughs) and 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 drew it uh but you know will they be able to hold enough insurance policy to cover volunteers right or that waiver of liability will that hold in the court you know this is such a you know there's so many insurance policies like for public pools and stuff that talk about fungus and bacteria but they don't talk about virus right, right. and so it's it's a it's scary to to shows that could really you know get closed down by a single lawsuit we got a question on youtube will covid be the reason to bring back the old format of conventions i'm not exactly sure what uh oh. the, the only thing i can think of is yeah. like long box was in a panel you remember the jones that used to be like in the in the the, the hotel conference room where it was just like one dude like a, a bunch of people from a store sitting behind a table with their boxes of comics oh. and then like 
a couple other dudes have like a box of videos, and then yeah. a couple other dudes got like a box of toys. Like, yo, and they, I used and to they go bring to those, in one, and they bring in one writer that lives in. I used, yeah. you know. I used to go to those in uh, at the Holiday Inn up on City Island all the time. Um, and for whatever reason, Paris Collins was at every one of them. But uh, <laughs> so 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 just yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give a shout out to Paris. Uh, Paris, as, as many of you know, uh, Clouds Arts Blue Beetle co-creator of Blue Devil with Gary Cohn, and one of the funniest guys. The dude will not stop laughing if you just start right. talking to him. He's <laughs> oh. I love that man. I, dude, I used to love his stuff. I, I well, used to, and I, I went to a couple of different cons uh, up here in Philly that he was at just because he was there, and we got ripped off on a uh, on a on a video of uh, Akira. My buddy was like, the guy was like, yeah, no, no, there's subtitles on the whole thing. So we like, yeah, Akira took yeah. it home. Whole Re Re Region, Region Six won't play. No, no, oh, it played. I, actually, I just didn't. The whole thing was in Japanese. Who's like Google? No I, Google Translate then. Nothing. Yeah. nothing. No, just the whole movie was just two dudes yelling Akira and Kaneda at each other. Well, to, to, to <laughs> speak to, to speak to Randy's point about the the old convention that used to be at like the the hotels and and the the artists or the, the vendors would kind of like be lined up in the hallway outside of like maybe the one big um, auditorium area. Those uh, conventions of those types did lend themselves to kind of like a line mentality. You yeah. came in the door, you walked, you walked along the line, just checking out everybody, vendor after vendor after vendor in a line. And then if there was something going on at that time that you were there in the auditorium, you would go in there and check it out. If not, you would gauge, okay, do I feel like waiting for what I want to happen in the auditorium? Do I feel like waiting for that? Or do I go and go bust a grub? And you know, if you go bust mm. a grub, you ain't coming back in. Yeah. So, but that did lend itself to that line mentality, which did keep you uh, a little bit of social distancing, yeah. I, I would imagine. But um, who knows? Who, who knows um, what may happen? We also got a question from Action Figure Expert. Uh, do you guys get upset when these hot, sexy girls do not know anything about the characters that they are cosplaying? I okay. definitely have an answer for that. Um, I'm going to go to Dante. How do you feel about that, Dante? Um, honestly, I don't know. Like, I really never thought about it, honestly, because uh, most of the people that I've seen cosplay as the character, they know the backstory front and back to the character. I've really not seen anybody who has cosplay as somebody they didn't know. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I just don't have a, a definitive answer on it. Me, myself, the only time that I've ever seen that has been, and, and mind you, like you, Dante, I don't, I don't see it often, but the only time I think I've run across it. I'm going to write, I'm going to write down a character name real quick, just because I, I want to see if this is what you say when you say run across. Okay, go ahead. Um, is, I, I, I'm not going to mention a particular character, but. Oh. Uh, it's the only time that I've ever seen it is that there are when you go to these comic conventions, there are some displays, vendors, 
um, even some of the smaller comic book companies that will hire uh, a, a woman to cosplay as a character mm-hmm. and that woman may not really have an idea of the yeah. character that she's cosplaying is it's basically it's a job for her right um but so i so i certainly wouldn't hold that against anybody yeah. um but I'd like a straight like just cosplayer in the room they usually kind of like have a fair idea of exactly what the, who they are and what and what they're all about yeah, because they took the time to make the costume. They so they had to at least study up on the character to understand, like, you know, what they needed, like, what this character's story, backstory is, and you know, how this character's dressed. And then, and like, they'll come in like the next day with like the alternate of that character's costume or something like that, in their plain clothes or like when they're mm-hmm. like going into that next level of abilities or or powers. So it, to me, it, like, it, I've never really, like I said, I've never really come across. I've come across what you've said, like. like where you know they had a a model hired as to, to look like the character, but other than that, I've never seen a cosplayer who's not known what their character that they're cosplaying as. Randy, can you think of a female DC character that gets cosplayed a lot that the person may not know anything about them? I would imagine if it happens, it's, it might be Zatanna, but even that, like. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He, he yeah. Power Girl for those listening at home and listening yeah. on WPPMLP one hundred six point five. But again, FM. Power Girl is one of those char- like if you've never seen the if you've never seen the character, why would you cosplay it, right? So then, all right, you see the character, you're like, because right, that well, cosplayer's never seen their own feet. That's a. She is typically depicted as a sexy, a sexy character, the, the, the superhero character, Power Girl. Yeah. That's true. Are you being But but to be fair, but to be fair, but to be fair, Keith, but to be fair, about for women who or anyone that does Power Girl, one, I contend that the character Power Girl may not know her own backstory. It's been changed well, that is so true. much that is, in the that comics. Is, that is, that Point. Is and two. Point. And two. Um, even and, and I still would I still honestly don't hold it against people whether or not you're a woman or a guy mm-hmm. and you if you're dressed as somebody and you don't really know what it is you you just you found it something as a, resonates with them about that character and they right. want to represent and, and them. that's what you want to come representing God God bless because God knows to to Randy and a lot of and uh, and and not that Randy is like this but there are we all heard of these you know comic book gatekeepers who get mad if you've got on a Captain America t-shirt but you don't know that Captain America was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and you um if you don't know can you correct him you forgot Joe Simon Joe Simon thank you very much sir Joe Simon (laughs) see see well, here's, here's the thing, and I and I knew he was gonna say that because at that uh, at Joe's last con, as a matter of fact, Keith has a a, a Captain America shield that Joe Simon signed when he was 98 years old. So I I knew I knew that was coming. Knew that one was coming. But but you on the point, on the pass. on the point uh, there is yes, I believe that. No, as a father of daughters, there should be no sexy cosplay. I don't want anybody looking at any girl I know. <laughs> but that's because I'm the father of daughters. Honestly, you know what? You should, I thought you were going to actually write down so the Power Girl was Harley Quinn because that one. 
is like right up there. I, I thought. Yeah, but you know people... what? Harley Quinn is so so much in the zeitgeist now that yeah. most people know that they may only know her as Joker's girlfriend, but they at least right. know that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Randy saying Zatanna. There's a lot of people dressed up as Zatanna don't know what Zatanna. They know very little about. They just know she's got a you know a tuxedo and fishnets and maybe every now and again a hat. Yeah. Yeah. But if she starts talking to you backwards, then you know she's the real deal. Point. True. Very true. But yeah, um, at the end of the day, who cares? Like, whatever. Uh, I got more important you know, things to worry about than how much right. you know about comics, unless you try and come at me about comics. Then, then we get it. No. You know what I think may have been, as, as a collective, our best con moment was that first blurred con because mm. man we took that thing over That's we true. had that joint on lock dude it was amazing that That's was true. fantastic and that's where we debuted our pine negroes t-shirts yeah. and yep. they, they were yeah. selling like hotcakes we did a panel that was great um we had our we people were stopping by we were talking to people all day um yeah, that was, a, that was a fun time. Almost everything I saw come out of that first Blurred Con you guys were at after the fact was Black Triple related. There was so, it was like that, it just blew up. Yeah. Whether it was imagery or, or recorded interviews or coverage, it was, yeah. You guys did roll in there, roll in there strong and take over the joint. Oh, Matter yeah, of fact, our, our, our good friend uh, Superstition, uh, not Superstition, Substantial, that's where, I first, that's where I first heard his stuff. That's I. Right. First encountered uh, substantial right there at uh, at, at BlurredCon and blew my mind, man. Absolutely blew my mind. Yeah, and another so. great time was at um, Star Trek Fifty, the fiftieth oh, uh, convention yeah, of Star Trek. On that, man. We did the Star Trek Into Blackness panel, and there was standing room only mm-hmm. in that uh, auditorium. That was uh, very, very memorable, and especially how many people came up to us afterwards, and some of them were in tears because they weren't used to seeing, you know, people black um, riding hard for Star Trek um, like that before. Uh, it was really a great. Time. That's where we. That's where we met uh, Richard Ng um, uh, there, and so many other people there. Uh, so that was a really great time. That was a fantastic time. Had a lot of great conventions. So some of those panels and stuff that, that you know the Black Trolls have been you know famous for, and, and hopefully you all even after this show here in this tenth season, you know, and hopefully you all will still get together. Randy, is 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 the shop gonna be the place where stuff happens again? Uh, you know, I know that I, you guys always is. I mean, is that where a panel's gonna happen? Like like you well, guys, remember when you had uh, DMC? We did the uh, the first respect uh, women's podcast down at down at Amalgam, and it was fantastic. It was a great time, um, and I, I would I would like to hope so. It it is such an amazing space, um, and you know it really is just able to draw in people from all all walks of geek. Um, we've done such a uh, uh, such a great job. Ariel's just done such an amazing job of making the space really welcoming for any kind of geek and so the hope is that you know as we go on we'll be able to continue that kind of thing because 
Um, like the 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 few the the events we've done there just fantastic. The 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 respect the the women's podcast last year, podcast festival was just outstanding, and you know, big ups to to Amalgam and Ariel for that, and of course to to the Bat Triple for putting that whole thing together because it was it was really magnificent. Well, but, um... It takes, but it takes that promotion and that production and that stuff that, you know, a, a show usually takes care of. I mean, can there be a, a weekly event somewhere within a 10 mile radius of downtown Philly that can have something going on every week for this culture instead of something going on every six months? You know, is that, is the solution to break it down? Is there a, is there, you know, should the third week of July be Dragon Ball Z week? And, you know, figure out how to get a couple artists in, a couple of voice actors in or, or whatever, and just, you know, get a small crew building that up and just giving them a smaller space that's only going to be 25 or 50 people. You know, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I it's don't a lot know. of work. It's, it's a lot of work. Um, and especially when you're talking about, one, when you're talking about doing something weekly like that. And then, two, when you're talking about limiting it to 25 to 50 people, then it yeah, becomes yeah. whether or not it's profitable for right. to happen, you know. So there's a lot of things that are gonna, a lot of things that are going to be, um, like really, we're going to be learning on the fly mm-hmm. uh, in the next few months, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we're going to be doing. Yeah. Um, but we're, we've got to start shutting this down. Keith, I want to thank you first and foremost for being such a loyal um, friend to the show. And I mean that first and foremost, you know, I mean, it's great that you're a fan and a follower of, of ours, but you have always been a friend to each and every one of us. Huh. And we really, really appreciate, appreciate you. Um, everything that you do, um, everything that you're about to just the, 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 the man that you are. And um, I'm putting it out there right now to you. I don't know if you heard last week, but one of the things that we're trying to put together for um, in celebration of this 10th anniversary, we're trying to put together one of the world's longest continuous podcasts. I think right now we're plotting it up to 36 hours. Mm -hmm. Maybe it'll go to 72 if I get my wishes. We'll see. I just did that to make Isaiah's eyes pop out of his head. Um, But uh, I really hope that you are able to be a part of that event and bring, once again, bring the red matter to Philly so we can get it in on, on this super long podcast event. We'll do. We'll do. And, and I appreciate everything you guys have done providing me, you know, lot of entertainment i mean some of it's just because randy claims that that onk hanging around his neck actually works a key lock for a safety deposit box (laughs) in state college pennsylvania where he claims to have photos of me in compromising positions uh but but this has been uh you know a a great time and and i've really enjoyed everybody who's who's grown into the show even you know isaiah just got to meet dante it's 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 awesome this is a a great family great community and if you need somebody to fill airtime i i I can pontificate on certain subjects (laughs) awesome oh boy i would like to talk about batman (laughs) (laughs) oh no i'm sorry i want to talk about plastic man (laughs) <laughs> why is deadpool in the x-force <laughs> which daredevil do i like the best 
Oh my god. See, Yo, see? Yeah, I'm telling you, this this was this that, we got a good 14 hours with this guy right here. Oh yeah. Easy. Oh yeah. Most definitely. And we've got to we gotta take a road trip down there because I've got to, I've got to take a tour of this of this bunker oh, of my- his. Oh, I boy. definitely have to take a tour of this bunker. We've got to make a road trip happen down to see E equals MC squared. You remember, yeah. Isaiah, I said that last week. I said, yep, we got you to did. Do one you of did. our road trips, we got to go down and see Keith. So I definitely want to make that happen. Yeah, I may even open ball. the secret. Yeah. I may even open the secret closet that has my Converse collection in it. Oh, All right, we're going to get get it out of here, ladies and gentlemen. But before we do, I'm going to give Dante the privilege of letting you know who will be our very special guest next week here on Black Tribbles. Take it away, Dark Joker Zen Tribble, a.k.a. Spectrum Tribble. So the guest next week will be the director slash animator for X-Men, the animated series, the animator for G.I. Joe, 1980s movie, the Larry Houston. Larry Houston, ladies and gentlemen, of the X-Men animated series and G.I. Joe, the movie, will be here next week. On Black Tribbles. Hold on, the G.I. Joe, the movie where 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 Serpentor throws the snake in the dude's chest? That one? Yes. The one that yes. opens up with Cobra. 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 And then he goes into G.I. Joe, the real American hero. Yes, that one. Yes, he will be and here next week on Black Tribbles. Evil taking flight, Cobra. Cobra. Okay. All right. Okay. okay. All right. Well, I guess right. these guys will be here too, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so uh, tune in for that next week. Th- thank you for t- tuning in. This show will be available come the morning on blacktribbles.com as well as on any place and every place that you find podcasts. Don't forget to check us out every Thursday right here on Facebook in our Tribble Nation Facebook group, on YouTube, on uh, on our Black Tribbles YouTube channel and streaming live on WPPM LP 106.5 FM Philly Camp That's right, we are back live ladies and gentlemen, we're still on our video but we're coming to you on your radio live and direct back on Thursday nights for our 10th year, we're loving it. We're loving it. Shout out to Vanessa and Allison, the whole crew of Philicam and WPPM for making it happen. Yeah, I am. All right. So for the Super Saiyan Tribble, for Dark J- Joker Zen Tribble, for Super Tribble, for the E equals MC Squared Tribble, and for the Vacationing Master Tribble, Storm Tribble, and the Uncanny Tribble, and for the Horror Tribble, this is the Bat Tribble. In parting, we say, Hailing frequencies closed, Captain. 